tonight on Huckabee, national security expert Morgan Ortegas, the hilarious comedy of Wayne Bergen, reality star and author Missy Robertson, Grammy-nominated Christian artist Brendan Heath, Welcome, everybody. We have a fantastic crowd here in our theater, and I'd love for you to sometime maybe show up and come and do what these folks have done. Be here in person. It is a lot of fun. Hey, let me start tonight by saying I've never done this before. I really haven't. But due to the nature and the mature, sensitive aspect of the content of my opening comments tonight, I want to advise you that my comments may not be suitable for small children. So if you've got young children watching, you might want to have them out of the room or turn the sound off during the monologue because I want to balance being a reliably wholesome show, but I also want to be blunt and clear about a topic that I feel is vitally important for the families of America. So that disclaimer, never done it before, may not ever do it again. But I want to tell you that I grew up faithfully watching the Mickey Mouse Club on our black and white TV. And I was singing along with the opening and the closing songs every day. I knew all the Mouseketeers by name and probably even had a crush on the girl Mouseketeers like Annette Funicello. On Sunday nights, my family watched Disney's wonderful world of color. Although I never saw it in color. <laughs> Color TV wouldn't be something my family had until I was in high school. And there wasn't a Disney World in Florida back then, just a Disneyland in California. And I dreamed that someday I'd get to go there. The Disney brand was magic. And Walt Disney was like everyone's favorite uncle who was rich and had all the cool stuff. I mean, the Disney movies were dependably wholesome, family-friendly, and most all of them had a moral lesson embedded in the plot. Parents knew that their kids could see a Disney film and be entertained without being embarrassed or indoctrinated. Just a few years back, we took our entire family to Disney World. Oh, sure, it was mostly about taking the grandkids there and making sure that they were indulged to the hilt. But the wonderful family-friendly company that Walt Disney founded is gone replaced by creepy corporate executives who have lost their minds and will likely lose a lot of their customers. They certainly have lost me. Disney executives have outright lied about the Florida legislation that prohibits government schools from teaching sexual content to preschoolers and young elementary children. What person in his or her right mind would want a four-year-old child to be taught about homosexuality, transgenderism, and sexual expression. Disney execs repeated the utterly debunked lie that the bill was a don't say gay bill. Such language was nowhere, I mean nowhere in the bill. 
But then it gets worse. In a conference call, other Disney executive leaders expressed the goal that in future Disney movies, at least half of all the characters in the film are to be gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, queer, or something other than heterosexual, or they must be a racial minority. Watch. Many, many, many LGBTQIA characters in our stories, and, and, and yet we don't have enough leads. I don't have to be afraid to, like, let's have these two characters kiss. Let's, in the background, this, like, I was just, wherever I could, just basically adding queerness to, like, the, if you see anything queer in the show. I'm proud of but like, I, I just was like, no one would stop me and no one was trying to stop me. Now, those are Disney executives on a conference call and journalist Christopher Rufo got a copy of the call and that's how we ended up knowing what they were actually saying. This is not something manufactured. It's not hearsay. Those are Disney executives, some of the highest people in the organization, giddy with excitement about the agenda that they're going to put upon not just the company, but upon you. Look, I'm perfectly fine with representing all races, but I don't understand. I mean, do children really need to know about the sex lives of any cartoon characters? Is that necessary? And theme parks will in the future be forbidden from saying, hello, boys and girls. Instead, they will be required to say, welcome dreamers and friends, because we don't want to call anybody a boy or a girl. And no more will little girls be called princess when they show up in their princess gown at a Disney property. I guess boys could be a princess under the new perverted Disney code. Who knows? Folks, this is so outrageous that it's hard to believe that the Disney company has become such a purveyor of soft porn and wokeism that instead of entertaining children with fantasy and magic, Disney's new model is sexual fantasy outright betrayal and rejection of traditional values of marriage and gender. And instead of moral neutrality, Disney has opted for immoral advocacy. So I wonder, will their remake of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs be called The Nymphomaniac and the Seven Male Prostitutes? <laughs> will Lady and the Tramp be renamed The Lesbian and the Housing Challenge Non-Gendered Animal? What's next, Beauty and the Beast, called The Bisexual and the Child Predator? Where does this end? And Swiss Family Robinson now is going to probably be about a dysfunctional family that becomes homeless and lives in a local park after wrecking their Volkswagen hippie van. Folks, I refuse to believe that the dishonesty and insanity from Disney represents what American parents and grandparents want to purchase for their children. But the only way to push back against this filth is to find other products and places when you purchase entertainment for your family. This is no longer about party politics. A clear majority of Florida Democrats support the law that prohibits schools from indoctrinating four and five-year-old children about various sexual agendas that are probably not the agendas of the parents. I guess the small number of people supporting the perverted version of a public school will next want to trade in yellow school buses for white windowless utility vans, typically called kidnapper vans since that's pretty much the direction Disney is taking with your children. I'm old enough to remember when parents would say, sure, you can watch that movie. It's a Disney movie, so it'll be safe. Not anymore. This ain't kid stuff. And I, for one, don't want to enrich the people that have destroyed the Magic Kingdom 
and turned it into the perverted palace. Mickey shouldn't be the face of Disney anymore because the Disney character most representative of the company should be Goofy. Well, after the break, former Department of State spokesperson Morgan Ortegas, who served under President Trump, is with us to talk about the far-reaching repercussions of Biden's foreign policy strategy. So don't you go away. I'll be right back. Welcome back. One of my very favorite songs, Twist and Shout. A lot of people have done covers of that. I still think the Beatles version is the best version. And theirs was a cover as well. There's one person in the audience agrees with me. Just one. But that's the smart person out there who agrees with me, of course. As the crisis in Ukraine continues day after day, President Joe Biden has made some pretty incendiary remarks on the world stage which the White House has had to walk back, sometimes just minutes after he says them. Folks, we haven't seen walkbacks like this since Michael Jackson did the moonwalk to the tune of Billie Jean. And by the way, when he did it, he was wearing the jacket that Trey is wearing tonight. I just want you to know. Now, is it incoherent foreign policy or is it just an incoherent president? My first guest knows the importance of smart diplomacy and peace through strength, having served in the Trump administration as a spokesperson to the State Department. Morgan Ortegas joins us tonight. We are very happy to have her. Welcome, please, Morgan Ortegas. Welcome. Thank you. Great having you here. Thank you. My daughter is somebody who absolutely adores you. She uh, considered you one of her dear friends in the Trump administration and has great admiration for your intelligence and your capacity. And I want to get into a lot of policy stuff about what's happening with Ukraine. But, you know, one of the things that intrigues me about you, Morgan, most people don't know that you are a military uh, reserve officer yes, even sir. now, right? That's right. U.S. Navy? Yes, sir. Serving our country, and um, I think that is significant. I also think that I love the fact that you are a first-generation college graduate, went on to get a master's from Johns Hopkins. It's quite, an, I'd say, an incredible story of working your way, the old-fashioned hard work, uh, to end up traveling with the Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, to 50 countries across the world. What a ride, huh? 
Uh, that you could not have said it better. It took a lot of hard work, um, but a lot of support. I, I have two amazing parents, mm. uh, and even though they had not been to college, in fact, I think my father might have even been the first to graduate high school. You know, of his generation, my grandparents certainly didn't graduate high school. But I had two amazing parents who who believed in the American dream and said you could go anywhere, um, and I just believed them. Right? <laughs> I said, okay, well, this is great. And you know, speaking of your daughter, Sarah, you know, I think the world of her, I can't wait to see her be sworn in as governor uh, here just a few months. Well, I'm looking forward to that, too. Yes. Uh, I will tell you, my <laughs> one of my first times that we had an international incident, when I became yeah. State Department spokesperson, um, Sarah was still at the White House, and North Korea uh, tested uh, missiles. I think it was, like, for the first, you know, one, the first time for me on the job, it was a very big deal. It was a Friday night. I just ordered Chinese food, and I got panicked, <laughs> and I called Sarah, and Sarah was clearly already at dinner, and she said, what, Morgan? <laughs> and I told her what was going on. She goes, well, someone needs to tell the president. I said, yeah, hopefully you and not me. <laughs> did you She's, tell the president? No, she? she did. She did, yeah. Was, she was a good boss. You know, uh, there's a lot to tell the president these days. I'm not sure that he would remember that we told him. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but it is concerning. He's talking about Biden. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it is concerning that in the last couple of weeks, he has created not one, but several yeah. international incidences by going off his very carefully prepared script. Um, here's a guy who's been in Washington for over 50 years. He prides himself on being a foreign policy expert. Morgan, you would think at this point he would understand that when a president utters something, the world stops and pays attention. As the old saying goes, president sneezes and the world catches a cold. Yes. When he goes out and says something like, this guy talking about Putin, uh, he's got to go. It sounds like that's a threat and we're going to make a regime change. That's right. How does his staff not reel that in and say, Mr. President, you just can't go out there and say things that yeah. stir the world. They, they must be cringing and dying inside. I, I, listen, I think it, it, it is so important because we are in such a perilous time. I mean, listen, they during the Trump administration, they would say to us, you know, well, why is Trump saying X, Y, Z? And I said, well, because he means it. Yeah. And, and President Trump and Mike Pompeo, my boss, the Secretary of State, spoke with moral authority and clarity uh, because they believed in America's goodness and greatness and America's place in the world. And I think that part of the problem that you're having, I think if you if you back up and you look at Biden and Kamala Harris and their entire team, um, Secretary Blinken, they don't believe in the greatness of America. They're constantly apologizing for America. I, I mean, look at the 1519 Project, right? Look at, uh, look at what they're trying to teach our children in schools yeah. and, and what you talked about in your monologue. So whenever you believe, whenever you say that America is fundamentally a racist nation and is founded on white supremacy, if you believe that, how are you ever going to go on the world stage and stand up for America? If you can't stand up for America at home, you can't stand up for her abroad. That's a great point. A great point. You work for one of my very favorite people in the country, and that's Mike Pompeo. Yeah. Uh, brilliant, experienced, capable in every way. Uh, tell me the difference between what you saw in Secretary of State Pompeo and what you're seeing in Secretary of State Blinken. 
Well, he was incredibly tough, and I think our enemies were scared of him, um, as they should be. Um, and he's a, he is a brilliant man, but I was in the room with him uh, multiple times whenever he met the Russian foreign minister, Lavrov. Uh, I was with him whenever he met Putin um, and the Chinese. I mean, you know, you name it, whatever autocrat around the world he had to meet with. Um, and I will say that in those meetings, I was so lucky and so blessed that he brought me into those meetings. And, and I, I know, as Sarah did with the president, you learn so much watching the, the two leaders in interact. Um, and he always stood strong and stood firm for America. He always stood uh, firm for President Trump. He never wavered. Even if the other person tried to make a little joke at his expense, he didn't laugh. He didn't smile. He held the line and he said, we are going to put America first and Americans first in all of our foreign policy decisions. And I can't tell you the number of meetings that I was in when I thought, gosh, this country is so lucky to have him as a secretary of state because he was unapologetically America first in every room with no cameras and no one in the room but staff. There's also uh, an important point in four years of President Trump's time, and I'm not trying to make this a political statement, just an observation. Vladimir Putin didn't try to take anything. He didn't uh, take his army anywhere outside of the Russian borders. Under Obama, he took them into Crimea and Georgia. And under uh, Biden, he's taken them now into Ukraine with an all-out assault against their freedom and uh, their sovereignty. Why didn't Putin do this under Trump? Because we were always told by the press that Trump was, you know, Putin's uh, puppet. But it sure didn't seem that way. So I think dealing with dictators is sort of like dealing with toddlers. You've had kids. <laughs> you have grandkids. I have a 17-month-old. And, um, you know, when she wants a cookie, yeah. she's very demanding. And she comes to me because I'm the weak link. And she knows that I'm going to give her the little cookie. And I, got, I can tell you that dealing with dictators is very similar to dealing with my toddler. They're going to do exactly what they think they can get away with, right? Mm. And so yeah. if you don't put strong red lines, red lines that you mean, red lines that if, if are crossed, it means something, um, then they're gonna keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. So it's a series of things that if you're not paying attention like I do, because I'm a nerd, um, if you're not paying <laughs> attention to it, um, which hopefully most of you aren't, and you're living a, a nice life, not worrying about these things, you think, oh, okay, well, we just did something that sounds really tough. Sounds tough, but it's not the full knockout punch. And Biden refuses to give the full knockout punch, I believe, because he has the Russians negotiating right now, at this moment, as all of us are sitting here in Vienna on our behalf, not with, a, by the way, we are not negotiating with the Iranians. The Russians are negotiating on our behalf in Iran, which will lead to a 10 billion, that's with a B, $10 billion in sanctions immunity for Russia and Iran to build uh, nuclear power plants. It, it's the most really, amazing thing, Morgan, that we are saying to Russia in the midst of the war that they have created and the devastation that they have impacted upon the people of Ukraine, mm -hmm. we'd like for you to go and be the negotiating party with a country that has vowed that they will destroy both Israel and the United That's States. Right. That's this is right. insane. We've only got about a minute, so I want you to okay. uh, land the plane on this one. <laughs> President Trump um, got some things done that people said he couldn't and wouldn't do, and they were unconventional. Yes. The uh, Abraham Accords, moving the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem that people said would just blow the Middle East all to pieces. That's right. Yet everything the diplomatic establishment and the military establishment said would happen under Donald Trump's decisions did not happen. And in fact, it turned out for the good. 
Why? Uh, because he was right on the policy, and he wasn't afraid to make decisions that so many presidents before him were afraid. You know, it was the law of the land. The law of the land that the U.S. Embassy had to be moved from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. And what did Congress do? They constantly passed a waiver. I think it was every six months that they had to pass this waiver mm. so that we wouldn't move the embassy. And Donald Trump, as an outsider, looked at it and said, wait a minute, but the law says this is where the embassy is supposed to be, and you're passing a waiver to subvert the law? Nah, that doesn't make any sense. I think I'm going to move the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem. Same with the recognition of the Golan Heights. Same with the maximum economic pressure campaign against Iran. And I can tell you, I was I was a part of Abraham Accords. I was in the Oval Office with the president when you had Netanyahu, so the leaders of Israel, UAE, Bahrain. Of course, we ended up getting four peace deals. Um, but they were. I was in the office in the Oval Office when President Trump was speaking to them, and I thought. What an amazing moment. What a moment yeah. that not, four peace deals in 26 years. By the way, John Kerry said no four times. He said no, he said no four times to our Israel policy. For every time he said no, we got a peace deal. <laughs> and, and again, to, to say, I know that sometimes when I speak, it feels like things are so dour in the world because it is pretty scary whenever you have, we handed Abraham Accords, uh, a peaceful Middle East to Biden. Within three months, three months, Hamas was attacking Israel. Within seven months, Kabul fell to the Taliban, 13 dead Americans. And within one year, we have a ground war in Europe that none of us have seen uh, because it's the biggest ground war in Europe since World War II. That's what you have in one year of this failed presidency. But there is hope because I worked for a president, I worked for a secretary of state who believed in American greatness and who spoke with moral clarity on the world stage the way that Ronald Reagan did. Um, and I believe that that's going to be restored again in America. I hope it's soon. We need it. Morgan Ortegas, thank you so much for being with us tonight and sharing your insights. Now, for our audience, I know you're going to want to keep up with Morgan. We're going to show you how to do that if you go to Huckabee.tv. Right now, Keith Bilbrey is ready to show us what's coming up on the rest of the show. Keith? Well, coming up, Mike's funny news stories on In Case You Missed It. Plus, reality TV star and author Missy Robertson. Stay with Huckabee. When Morgan Ortegas was leaving, she said, golly, that band over there, they are great. And I have to agree with her. Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. Best in the land. They are good. Hey, from a green puppy to a pink lady, we've got the most colorful news of the week on In Case You Missed It. <laughs> First stop, Nova Scotia, where you're going to turn green with envy over this couple whose bulldog had eight puppies and the last one was born green. Yeah, I think the father may have been a bullfrog <laughs> instead of a bulldog. The, the green fur dye is a very rare condition. It fades over time, but the puppy will keep a permanent reminder. Its owners asked Facebook users for names, and some of the suggestions included Hulkette, oh, Wasabi, that. and Pistachio. Mm -hmm. 
Hmm. <laughs> well, the puppy shocked everyone by being so green, but now it's leaving messes everywhere it goes. So I'd name it Joe Biden. Okay. <laughs> oh! Whoa! Can we have a drum roll? <laughs> Nobody ever accused me of being neutral, okay? No. All right. Hey, it's not that it's easy being green, but it may be even worse being hot pink. A British woman asked the Lush Cosmetics Company if their razzle-dazzle bath oil bombs were supposed to dye her skin fluorescent pink. She was red-faced and nearly died of embarrassment <laughs> after Lush discovered that she hadn't read the directions quite right. Because, see, instead of dropping that pink bomb into the tub to dissolve, uh -huh. she thought it was like a bar of soap. So, oh. Keith, she rubbed it all over her face and body. <laughs> now, she was finally able wow. to remove the pink stain by scrubbing her skin with olive oil, lemon juice, and gritty face wash, which, ironically, also turned her skin pink. <laughs> now, I want you to know there's a lesson here. This is why men don't use bath oil bombs. No. Number one, we don't want to turn pink. <laughs> and number two, we don't read directions. And so therefore, <laughs> no bath bombs. Trey tried it one time. Yeah, he, he had the jacket put in a, a tub of uh -huh. pink bath That's, oil. This, this jacket was yeah. pink until I put it in there. Yeah. It's now red. It's, it's OK, it's red now, yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of manly men, um, oh, here we go. Yep. A man Instagrammed an experiment to see how long he could survive eating raw meat before he died of food poisoning. Now, at the time of the report, he'd gone 78 days. Think about this, Keith. Wow. Raw meat, raw fish, washed down with raw eggs, and occasionally a glass of raw camel's milk. Oh, no. Make you hungry? Uh, no. <laughs> I didn't think so. Ooh. I guess that camel's milk, he drank that on hump day. I don't know. It makes sense. <laughs> he says he used to be a vegan, but he started having health problems being a vegan, so he tried this. Now he's grown to like the taste of raw meat. He's eating fewer calories. He's feeling better, and his pain and dizziness are going away. The only downside is that he now has an irresistible urge to eat vegans. <laughs> raw, I might Raw, indeed, Doesn't yeah. Doesn't even put any sauce on them. Well, if you ladies want to attract a meat and potatoes guy like that, the Idaho Potato Commission has the perfect fragrance. Think about this. It's pronounced frites. It's a perfume that smells like French fries. Okay. You see, the word frites is French for French fries. Now, it was either that or they could call it Chanel Number no. Fry. Wow. <laughs> it's getting worse. It is getting worse. Uh, hazmat team will come in and clean this place up after we finish this. Sadly, it was a limited edition Valentine's Day item and it sold out immediately because I guess every woman wanted to go get a perfume that smelled like French fries. Yeah. But take a tip from that lady with the bath oil bombs and just rub ketchup all over yourself. It'll work just as well. Yeah. True, yeah. Or you can use fryer oil for bath oil. Why not? Here's the word you've been waiting to hear, finally. Yes, finally, a Hux criminal mastermind in Brevard County, Florida, entered a true value hardware store with a big pair of bolt cutters shoved down the front of his baggy pants. 
He cut the security cord on a crossbow and then shoved the crossbow down the front of his pants as well. Talk about living dangerously. This is not going to end well. Oh, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. <laughs> well, somehow he managed to hobble stiff-leggedly away, but he was arrested a few days later for a different theft. He was probably trying to shove a smart car down his pants. <laughs> but if convicted, he's going to be sentenced to wear tighter pants. There you go. Perfect sentence. Good take care of that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's all the baggy pants comedy in the news for now. But until next time, always remember that we read the news. So with Dwayne Perkins plus Christian pop singer Brandon Heath on Huckabee. seen tonight's comedian on Comedy Central, Jay Leno and Conan O'Brien. He's got a very popular Amazon Prime special and two dry bar comedy specials. He's also the author of this book right here. It's called Hot Chocolate for the Mind, a collection of wonderful essays. Please welcome the very funny Dwayne Perkins. <laughs> Hey guys, how's it going? It's really, really good to be here. I'm glad, I'm glad things are open. You know, I'm glad restaurants are open. I'm very excited. Because I don't like ordering food online. You know, something always goes wrong. Middle of quarantine, I try to order pizza, okay? And I don't want to uh, say the name of the place, but let's just say I think they make their pizza in a hut. Let's just leave it at, <laughs> let's leave it at that. Now, here's what I wanted. I wanted a pepperoni pizza right down the middle. Nothing crazy, right? I did a little thing on my app. Boop, 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 boop. Pizza comes to my door. Open the box. Take this. Uh, no pepperoni. No sauce. Just cheese on top of the crust. Yeah, let's, let's review pizza real quick. Let's just go over pizza, shall we? Now, uh, you probably know, a pepperoni pizza with no pepperoni is a cheese pizza. I think we can all agree to that, right? Now, a cheese pizza with no sauce is an open-faced grilled cheese sandwich. So that's what, <laughs> that's what they brought to my house. Now, you may be wondering, how did this happen? Well, I live in California, super healthy, right? So right before I checked out, there was a box that said, no gluten-free pepperoni. It confused me. Yeah, I was at home, I was like, I'm pretty sure I don't want the gluten-free pepperoni. Uh, I feel like I want the regular pepperoni. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, I better check this. Boom, checked it. Same thing with the sauce. Here's the kicker. Pepperoni already doesn't have gluten. So, so why'd you do that to my head? What exactly? <laughs> what is this, the SAT? Like, what's happening right now? <laughs> that would be like if you went to a restaurant and the waiter was like, so do you not not want the non-toe jam free soup? <laughs> and here's my thing. If you're going to make an app, make it smart. You're making an app, make the app smart, right? Like, when I clicked those boxes, which they never should have been there, right? I, I, ordered, I asked for pepperoni right off the top. Don't ask me again, you know? But when I clicked those boxes, a warning window should have popped up right there. As soon as I clicked, bling, uh, yo, dog. Th 
This ain't pizza no more. You sure you wanna? <laughs> sure you wanna go through with this? And here's the kicker. Here's the, what gets me. A, a person made that. A human being made that pizza. Put it in a box, looked at it, shrugged their shoulders, closed it, had no problem sending it to another human being. And this is a problem. People don't do their jobs. It happens all over the place. Right. Now, pizza, okay, one thing that's probably some teenager, but this happens in other walks of life. Case in point, this tooth here is an implant, okay? A few years back, I'm playing basketball. I collide with this other dude, full speed, right? Boom, this tooth hanging out of my mouth, hanging. Yeah. Went to the dentist. I was like, can you save it? Well, actually, I was like, can you have it? So he's like, yeah, I think I can save it. And he pushes it back in. I'm not sure what day of dental school they teach you the push it back in technique. <laughs> Needless to say, a few years after that, it had to come out because it was just, it was just hanging on like a, like a loveless marriage. You know what I mean? It had to. So, and it was a whole, it was a whole thing. I had to get the tooth taken out, bone graft, gum graft. By the way, none of this is covered by my insurance. Yeah, they told me it was cosmetic. <laughs> Let's be really clear about something, shall we? A front tooth is not cosmetic. Front tooth is what separates you from civilization. Just... <laughs> yeah, very important. <laughs> Little known fact, if, you don't, if you're missing a front tooth, they won't give you the bathroom code at Starbucks. That's a fact. <laughs> We know you're just going to shower in there, sir. <laughs> here's how important the front tooth is, right? And, and no disrespect if, you, if you're missing it, but here's how important it is. The second dentist who was doing all this work for me, he wouldn't even let me walk around without a front tooth. Yeah, he said, we're going to get you a nice temporary. That's going to take a few months, though. In the meantime, in between time, we'll give you, we get, you know, a nice implant, but in the meantime, we'll give you a temporary tooth. It's called a flipper. It's not great, but it'll... If people don't look crazy, it'll get the job done. Okay, so he takes the tooth out, right? I bite down on this molding. Hang. They send it to the lab. And as you can see, I have a gap, okay? My gap used to be a little bigger. So they send it to the lab. I don't know what the guy's doing at the lab. He's not paying attention. He's eating a sandwich. Who knows? He's watching Tiger King. I don't know what he's doing. All I know is he sends me back a temporary with two front teeth. <laughs> so when I put this thing in my mouth... I have three front teeth. <laughs> and my thing is, if you're the guy at the lab, you have to pick up the phone, right? That's why you're there. Just pick up the phone. Hey, this is, uh, this is Bob down at the lab. Yeah, quick, quick question. D. Perkins, does he have three front teeth? <laughs> right, 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 right. That's what I figured. That's what I figured. And does he want an open-faced grilled cheese sandwich or a pizza? <laughs> Thank you, guys. I'm Dwayne Perkins. <laughs> oh, man. I'm with you on the pizza. <laughs> Thank you. And is everyone here? Right, right. Great having you here, Dwayne. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. I love the book, Hot Chocolate for the Mind. Absolutely. And, and, and you say in this, just turn to any page any because page. it's a whole collection of funny stories. Read it and then repeat sections one and two and just keep reading exactly. and it's funny stuff. Exactly. Wonderful to have you here. Thank you. Hey, to see more of Dwayne Perkins, go to Huckabee.tv. We're going to hook you up 
with all the links to this very funny guy. Right now, Keith Bilbrey is going to hook you up with what you need to know about the rest of the show. Coming up, of Duck Dynasty fame, it's Missy Robertson. Later, award-winning singer-songwriter Brandon Heath. Stay with Huckabee. As the fighting in Ukraine continues, so does the work of Samaritan's Purse. Right now, they've got boots on the ground in Ukraine and Poland, helping the refugees of this horrific war find safety in the midst of so much uncertainty. And by the grace of God and the generosity of your gifts, Samaritan's Purse is going to continue this great work. I hope that you'll visit the Samaritan's Purse website or call them and call them today because they need it today. Thank you, and God bless. Now, I know that you know and love my next guest from America's favorite reality series, Duck Dynasty. She's now combined her advocacy for faith, charity, and traditional values with her experience as a mom to write the ninth book for children in the Brave Book series. It's called, Because You Are My Family. Please welcome Missy Robertson. Welcome back. Thank you. Nine books. <laughs> you just keep churning these out. Well, they're not all mine. I'm just one in those nine. Well, but, but yes, they are churning them out a lot, one a month. This story is about adoption. Why is that special to you? Well, it's about an adoption family. So little Valor is a tiger, obviously, uh -huh. and he has lion parents. And that is in, an, in a previous book is his story of adoption. Okay. This story is about unconditional love. Hmm. So Brave Books reached out to me to see if I wanted to co-author a book about unconditional love of family. And I was honored that they thought of me with our family and our situation. We have a lot of people in our family. Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like it keeps growing all of the time. But there's a lot of instances where, you know, in anyone's family, you are required to show unconditional love. And to also, you want to be able to receive that as well. And as children of God, it also mirrors the Father in heaven and his love for us. That's what the book focuses on. How refreshing to have books for children that are not only just family friendly and wholesome, but they're spiritual, yes. unapologetically biblical in their background so that a parent reading this story to his or her child is going to be able to impart biblical wisdom. Yes. And that's really what our kids need desperately today. I think what the beauty of this series is, it doesn't flood the book with scripture in terms of this is what God wants you to do. And I say that in this way. I know that you're like, oh, oh what does that yeah. mean? That that's the beauty is because these are fundamental values that we should have in every family. This is how the Lord set up the family unit. This was yeah. his idea. Yeah. Family is his creation. So we shouldn't even have scripture to have to back that up. This should already be fundamentally in our homes as a way of life. So these books in the stories themselves don't have scripture, don't say God, don't say Jesus in the actual story, which you say, why is that a good thing? Because I even had a friend of mine say, well, my daughter, you know, teaches third grade in a secular public school. Mm -hmm. 
could she read that to her children? She actually could yeah. because it does not have God or Jesus in it. Now, in the back of the book, it references scripture, activities, um, games that you can play with your children and really dig down deep into what the spiritual aspect means about unconditional love and the love of family from the father. Now, there is rumor that the Robertson family is gonna be back on television very soon. Tell really? us. Really? I've heard that. <laughs> and I hope there's something to it because I'm expecting you to break the news here for us. Well, first let me ask, like, if that was true, yeah. would that be widely accepted? Yeah. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> okay. Yes. Is that your? Is that the answer you were looking it's, for, Missy? Yeah. Because I think okay, it's the, a pretty clear this is a one. Test audience. That so was yes. not a golf clap. Okay, <laughs> that was the real deal out there. It's actually true. Okay. And so Jace, my husband, and Jeff, yeah. yes, his um, younger brother. They are big metal detectors and treasure hunters and have been for the past few years. And so now, instead of duck calling, they're gonna be out treasure hunting. And what the beauty of this show is, it's not, I was like, I told Jace, I said, how interesting is it for somebody to follow you around with a metal detector? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got to be honest with you. When you first said that, I'm thinking, Boring. yeah, that sounds like when you stay up really late for it. And yeah, I, no. Hey, baby, we're going to yeah. watch Jace no. take that metal detector down on the beach. <laughs> well, if you know anything about the beards in our family, they are quite entertaining no matter what they do. And that is exactly what happened with this show. But just like this book, yeah. it goes, for a, better, a lack of a better word, it goes deeper. And it goes deeper into relationships, mm. history. It talks about um, like, like even like the actual places. You know, our history has is ugly at times, mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean that we need to shy away from it. Let's learn about it, learn from it, and move on. Like Jay says, let's eat the meat and spit out the bones. And that's what kind of this show is about. See, I thought you were going to tell me they're going to take that metal detector, put it up in their beards, and see what's up there after all this time. So. <laughs> We look forward. It starts idea. this summer on Fox Nation, yes. the brand new television yes. show. Now, this wonderful book, Because You Are My Family, it's available right now. And if you want to find out how to get it, along with a whole lot more information about Missy Robertson's upcoming Fox Nation series, Duck Family Treasure, coming out in June, as well as more, there's all of that information at Huckabee.tv. Now, because he is our announcer, and a very good one, he has his metal detector out. He's scurrying around the theater to find out what we have coming up in the show next, and I bet he's discovered something. I have indeed. After the break, Christian pop singer-songwriter Brandon Heath is on Huckabee. Next week on Huckabee, William Lee Golden and the Vogues. Welcome back. Brandon Heath is a pop singer, songwriter, and Christian music with three, three number one Billboard hits to his credit. He's also a well-respected lyricist with numerous songwriting accolades including, and this is a really, really big deal, named BMI's Songwriter of the Year. You think about how many people are writing songs 
number one songwriter of the year. Brandon's new album is called Enough Already. It releases on April 22nd, and it includes his current single, See Me Through It. You're going to get a little preview of it before it even releases. Please join me in welcoming Brandon Heath. Brandon, during the pandemic, so many people couldn't go anywhere. Concerts were all canceled. Uh, entertainers were looking for creative ways to connect to their fans and, and keep going. You did something I thought was pretty clever. It was called Brandon in the Backyard. Yeah. So what did you do? You know, we musicians are creative anyway, so we yeah. have to come up with creative ways to keep doing what we do. And uh, I decided to just say, hey, America, I'm really tired of my backyard. Can I come and see your backyard? Mm -hmm. And so for 10 days, I opened up an invitation uh, to anyone who <laughs> follows me on social media. Send me, send me pictures of your backyard. Tell me why should I come and play? Wow. And so we did it. We did. You went to people's backyards? I did. Honestly. It That's was, the coolest thing I've ever heard. Oh, man. I, well, the thing is, I've been doing music now, I think for 17 years, uh -huh. uh, for, for quite a while. And this was my favorite thing that I've, I've ever done. Uh, it was a way to connect with my fan base in their, in their domain, in their backyard, you know? I bet some of them were blown away when you called them and said, hey, this is Brandon Heath. Uh, I'm really coming. I'm really coming to your backyard. Yeah. Get the barbecue ready. Absolutely. I'll, I'll Fire yeah. up the grill. Here we come. Yeah. So did most of them do like a cookout with you and stuff like that? Yeah. In fact, in my pitch, I said, if there's smoked meat, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, I'm, I'm in. Yeah. So yeah, that was part of it. A man after my own heart, Brandon. But some people were like, yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, get you, uh, we'll get you hooked up with smoked meat and we'll send some on the way. Um, but but they were like, well, we don't we don't have any money to offer, and you know, I was like, well, I do need to feed my family as well. Although I'm sure they would love your barbecue. <laughs> so so we basically would see like, okay, well, what's your budget? Tell me about your tell me about your backyard. Tell me about your neighbors, and then we just routed it around all over the U.S. and it was incredible. That is so cool. And you went there and did they invite their neighbors to come over? Yeah. And you did like a mini concert in some guy's backyard. Exactly. I mean, some, mm. some city ordinances, you know, were like 20 or less. And then some mm. states were, you know, 30 to 40 people. So we kept it small, yeah. intimate. Um, but I had a small sound system with me and we were able to just do it. Uh, you know, in their backyard and have a good time. I know all of them were fun, but surely there's one or two that really stand out as just memorable moments in someone's, yeah. a total stranger's backyard. What yes. were they? Um, there was one that was a luau. Yeah. And, I, and I was told ahead of time that there would be like a pig on a spit kind of- No like, joke. Like authentic luau. Yeah. So I did show up with a Hawaiian shirt on. Okay. You know, I had to have a Hawaiian shirt. Well, thank goodness it wasn't a grass skirt. That no, exactly. Good. No, yeah. didn't go that far. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 it, was, it was really fun. There was one family that was like, they were next to a casino. Uh huh. So I, I don't know how that worked out, um, but it was like right along the highway. So they couldn't really hear me over the highway noise <laughs> and the casino, but we still had a great time, so... 
Well, it's a brilliant idea. I hope you never have to do it again because I hope that the country will never shut down and all of our, the entertainers in our country will be able to go out and do their work. We're so glad to have you here and uh, can't wait to hear the music of Brandon Heath tonight. So Brandon's going to get ready to perform and when he does, Keith uh, is going to be telling our audience how they can get connected to the great music that Brandon has. And when you're the number one songwriter in the country with BMI, you got some pretty good songs that you're going to want to get. So, Keith, tell us how to do it. To pre-order Brandon Heath's album, Enough Already, releasing on April 22nd, go to Huckabee.tv for details. Now, while you're there, be sure to watch his online exclusive performance of That's Enough. Now, performing with Trey Corley in the Music City Connection, here's Brandon Heath. Things are getting real, Jesus take the wheel, only way I'm getting to the other side. Days are getting dark, life's a little hard, blinding but I'm trying not to lose sight. I don't got this, I know you got this, yeah. And I believe it before I see it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you're gonna see me do it, if anybody can, you can do it. Gotta know in the trial and the pain. When the sky falls, who am I gonna call? The one who put it up there in the first place. Full scale attack, devil on my back, better lace him up and go put on my gay face. I don't got this, I know you got this, yeah. And I believe it before I see it, yeah. I know you're gonna see me through it. If anybody can, you can do it. Got enough of the trial and the Is bigger than all our problems. The only one who knows how to solve them. So if you're sitting in the back rock bottom, prayers in the air if you got them. I got is bigger than all our problems. The only one who knows how to solve them. So if you're sitting in the back rock bottom, prayers in the air if you got them. I see me do it. If anybody can, you can do it. I gotta know when the trial in the pain, fire in the rain, you're gonna see me. I know you're gonna see me through it. 